Welcome to God Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is John Cates. John runs New York City Foodways, which is an amazing program. It gives wasteful food to people who are food insecure. He's also a coach. He helps people with a lot of uh, difficulties in their life, building good habits and getting over past pain. We have an amazing conversation where we touch on so many subjects. Guys, check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Calm to Hear Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode. My guest this week, John Cates. Hey, welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with my man, John Cates. John, thanks for joining me, bro. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> nice to see you man uh yeah you have such a cool story so i'm excited to have you on um yeah you have a very cool story of transformation which i know we're going to hit on and uh you do some great stuff in new york uh called uh, new york city foodways uh maybe let my audience know what you do in new york certainly so i have a lot of projects that are going on but the real core competency that i focus on every day is my coaching program this is based around mindset nutrition fitness and then outside of that, I do a lot of local food work. The food project of our lives is the most central project in our lives. What we eat dictates who we are. And that's the foundational area of what I'm involved in, uh, both in New York City. I'm like a rescue from a rescue standpoint. I do a lot of food rescue. And then with my clients, I help them out with their issues with food and allow them to transform themselves through their interactions with food and with you know the greater system at large. That's sick. Uh, can you tell my audience, like, what do you mean by food rescue? Absolutely. So one third of all the food grown in the U.S. is thrown out. At the same time, over a million New Yorkers in a city of 8 million are food insecure. So they don't have enough to eat every year. And this tension speaks to the greater tension in society. And it speaks to the greater tension inside of us. If we know these things are happening and both of these things are happening and we don't act on it that's going to cause us some internal challenges uh one of the quotes that i love that i always go back to is to know and not do is not to know so if we're pretending to not know that these things are occurring we are lying now it might be a lie through lack of action but i believe that actions are lies in and of themselves and a lack of action can also be a lie and this is what I'm doing. I've set up food rescue projects across the country. I actually have a pilot program that we're looking to get off the ground in Peterborough, Petersburg. I don't know if I'm saying that right in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a comrade up there. He's right now sourcing locations uh, to set up a food rescue pro uh, project around a community fridge. And this is just what I do and who I am. I, I, I cannot stress the reason my channel and my coaching program is Foodways Coaching and my channel is NYC Foodways is because a foodway is a cultural pathway th through food. And our foodways, our cultural pathways through food in the dominant global system are totally broken. It's why more than half of Americans are either overweight or obese. And it's why that we're throwing out a third of the food. It's why everything is just so ruptured at the point of ingestion and origin. And if you walk down the streets of New York City, I live in lower Manhattan. If you walk down the streets of New York City, there will be someone selling some 
awful type of food every 10 to 50 feet. It's so just part of an assumed it's an assumed part of our culture and it just creates this brokenness inside of us. And there are a lot of vices and we can get into what people are addicted to. But food for me, if we, when we change the food, when we change what we eat every day and how we think about food and how we interact with the food system, that's where the real transformation started. That's where my transformation started. That's uh, that's really amazing. Uh, you said a third of all food is thrown away. So when you like kind of started on this mission, where do you find like all the sources of like food getting thrown away from? That's a great question. I started Food Rescue in 2009. I was working as a catering hand and waiter in New Orleans shortly after I graduated from university. And I noticed that the restaurant I was working at was throwing out untouched trays of bread. So bread for service has to be baked ahead of time. It's not mm -hmm. possible to bake, bake bread to order, but you have to bake it ahead of time and you always have to bake more than needed because you don't want to have to you know, tell the customers there's an out. So by virtue of that fact, there would be bread left over. And I'm talking about trays perhaps three feet by four feet trays laden with bread. This is thick. Um, it's like this golden Parmesan bread. It was extremely heavy, extremely fatty. It was not some cheap white bread. This is gourmet bread. And I noticed at the end of every shift, these trays of bread, some untouched, some partial, some untouched, were being thrown into black garbage bags and placed on the street. On my commute home, I noticed that there were dozens of people living in tent cities and encampments under the bridge under the the overpass mm -hmm. in, in, in New Orleans. And at a young age, I was in my early 20s, then I started to realize there is something off here. And that right there is a microcosm of what I just described of the third of the food being wasted in this country while 1 million New Yorkers go hungry. You know, it's just everything in, in, the, in our culture, everything in our world is a self-same repeating pattern. What happens at the micro level is what's happening at the macro level. If you have something fucked up in your life, that fucked upness is going to run your life. If you have some unresolved trauma from your past, that's going to be some unresolved trauma in your present. If you have something that you need to be doing that you aren't doing now, that's going to inhibit your growth in what you're doing in the future. If you see food being wasted at a restaurant in New Orleans, that means food is being wasted at the greater systemic level because everything is scaled. Everything in this world is scaled from the micro visible level to the macro invisible level. And that's where I started. So I would take those garbage bags filled with bread, and bring them to the encampment. And these people looked at me like I had two heads. They, they, they had, it was so foreign. It was foreign at the restaurant level. Now the chef turned a blind eye to it because he had a heart and he understood what I was doing. And then the recipients, the folks that were struggling and all of them had substance abuse, mental health issues, interestingly enough, the same ones that I had before I turned my life around, but they had, it had taken them just to a very dark place and they received this bread. And it was, it was, it was very touching. It was extremely touching. And it solves two issues. Food rescue solves actually three issues. The first is people are hungry. Okay. That's the most critical issue. The second is landfills are being filled up with stuff that shouldn't be in landfills. And the third is the void that we have in ourselves. You can't fill that void unless you're giving. The weak individual, the individual I was, the person in darkness, the person in pain, the person that needs a positive message of healing is missing something. And in order to gain that back, what we are driven to do is to take, take drugs, prescription or otherwise, take time off, take it easy, take from others through casual hookups, take from the grocery store through, you know, and, and the restaurant through overeating, taking and taking and taking. But what the wounded individual needs to understand is that it's only by giving that we can fill that void. I was wounded at that time. And it was many years until I was able to really implement a, a system of healing. But from what I noticed from the get was that this giving of food, this, this healing of this broken food system, even in that small way, or especially in that small way, 
I felt healed because at the end of the shift at a restaurant, if you've ever worked in the service industry, you know exactly how draining it is. Mm-hmm. You know how awful it is to deal with people that treat you like furniture. That's a typical waiter's experience. Wow. You have a little money in your pocket, whatever, but the, the experience is quite negative. But to go from that exhausted feeling to then closing the loop of wasted food, it just meant the world to me. And from then on, I have set up a food rescue program at every single job I have been at. Every one since 2009, I've done something to divert food waste from the landfill to people's kitchens and stuff that would otherwise be dumped that is not edible to a composting network. I've set one up at every position I've been in and I've worked at multiple tech companies. I've worked at grocery stores. I've worked all in food. My entire career has been in food from service industry to my most recent position, which is a multinational, multi-billion dollar tech firm. It's been food rescue all the way because it's scalable. A solution at the small level is scalable to a solution at the large level. That's something else that folks need to understand. Their pain, their problem, what they feel is in their heart alone is everywhere. And because it's in their heart, it can be healed in their heart. And because it's everywhere, everyone can heal as well. Damn, dude. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's really powerful. And I love how you said that, like, it's scalable. Like, if it is something where one person's feeling, that means, like, millions are feeling that too. And uh, that's uh, actually a very... Uh, it's a very like nice thing to hear when you think about it because it, a lot of times I think a lot of our struggles happen because we feel alone. That is it exactly. We are taught it is actually a design feature of the system to make us feel alone because alone we're powerless. Mm-hmm. You are al- you are alone. So you are going to take acts that you believe that nobody sees because you are told you are alone. So you're going to act as if you are alone. But separateness is an illusion. Difference is an illusion. We are all in this together. We are all connected, which is why when people around me are struggling, I can feel it. It's why when one is around their family members that aren't doing well, you feel it. Or when you haven't heard from someone in a while, you know that something is going on with them. Or if someone is on IG every day posting positivity and then they randomly disappear, there's some something off about them. Like we are connected. I speak about this all the time. We are connected. We are all in this together. And when I was dark, when I was using drugs, alcohol, sleeping around, overeating, and just totally in my vices. I did these acts alone because I believed I was alone, because I believed I suffered alone. And once mm. I underst- once I understood that the absolute opposite was true, and I act as if I was connected, and I act as if I was being observed every day, and I act as if what I did mattered, as, as because I act as if I was linked to the entire web of life, which is what we are. We are mm. a living species that the creator has imbued with consciousness, not some drone to interact with other people like their NPCs in a video game. Only then was I able to heal. Nobody is alone. Nobody. Mm, no, I love that. Uh, so like, I like how you're talking a lot about this is how the system kind of treats us or and like kind of tells us like, just looking at the whole food system that you kind of now probably have a really good uh, idea of like, how do you see this system? Like, why is it set up? And like, what is it doing to like the, our population as a whole? So most economic systems, or at least the economic system that is the dominant global system is one of uh, perpetually increasing profits. So in order to perpetually increase profits, you're going to have to get people to consume ever more every year. Mm. When when we speak of, um, you know, recessions and, and negative stagnant economic growth and negative economic growth, these are very damaging to the system at large. So in order to keep people, in order to keep the system going, in order to keep the gears turning, in order to keep, you know, this, the larger structure around us 
stable, you know, for lack of a better word, and I'm talking about stable in uh, like a morally neutral ver version of the word, not stable for our mental health, not stable for the love we have for ourselves, but I mean, stable in terms of unchanging, you have to get greater and greater consumption every year. Mm. So when we're wasting in the US, and I'm just going to guess in Canada, if you were to go to your local grocer, you could probably get blueberries, or, or let's say strawberries, which grow naturally in humid climate in the 70s to 90s. But I bet you could get them. And I bet they'll be from Mexico. This is absurd. Mm -hmm. This is absurd. Maybe they're farther afield. Maybe they're from Peru. But the system has created this idea that one, we can and should eat whatever we want, whenever we want. And I mean, not just garbage food, but food from all over the world. And two, that we need to be increasing profit every year. So if a third of the food in the US is being wasted, and we were to have that number, what would that do to the overall system? I've spoken on this at, at length in a, in a piece called uh, Zero Waste uh, on my YouTube channel, but a reduction in waste of food would drastically alter the economic system. It might actually call it cause the economic system to collapse. If you think about how much of the economic system is predicated on food production, distribution, consumption, if we were just to end the waste, well, what would that do to the production? If we lowered production, what would that do to the consumption? If we lowered the consumption, what would that do to the overall numbers that the system is based on? It would cause massive shrink and people would freak out. So when I say it's a design, part of the design of the system, I mean it. Without waste, waste is consumption. And the system doesn't see someone buying a pack of blueberries any different than someone buying a pack of blueberries and throwing them out at the grocery store level because oh. they're quote unquote past. So that that's what I mean by it. And it's pretty sickening. It is really, really sickening. But this is why we fight the battle, not because the problem is too large, but because the problem is actionable. So I fight the battle for our mental health, not because we feel horribly anxious and depressed, but because we know we can change that. It's the same thing. All mm -hmm. of these things are linked, all of them. Yeah. And uh, that's a great point how waste is also um, is also consumption. You're 100% correct. So it's like, you're right. If like you get rid of all that waste, people are going to be like, hey, that's our money you're like dipping into. So that's a great point. And yeah, man, it's like, uh, it's kind of like how you're talking about like your own issues with like anxiety and depression and like uh, addiction. Like, it seemed like these are also other issues that our system loves to take advantage of because those seem to be like the most profitable um conditions like you keep people in that mindset like how you said you keep people feeling alone they're not fighting a back uh, fighting against anything you keep people in those situations of anxiety and addiction and all of that they're not you know they're easy to sell shit to and medicate when when i like talking about drugs in equal measure the dude hustling is selling the same thing that the person in the white coat is. The person in the white coat is selling a highly addictive substance that will alter your brain chemistry. The dude hustling is selling a highly addictive substance that will alter your brain chemistry. Let's not get it twisted. Those things have the same net effect. Only one is regulated and controlled by the government, and the other is only somewhat regulated and controlled by the government. I mean, the medical system is based largely, at least in this country, on environmental diseases. When we speak of obesity, hypertension, you know, heart attacks, a lot of various forms of cancers, um, anxiety, depression, these things are brought on by other parts of the system. Uh, tobacco is like allowed, right? You know, drinking alcohol is allowed. Um, 
the consumption of awful food is allowed. These things are allowed. They're part of the system. And then the side effect is extreme sickness and ill health and anxiety and depression, all these things, which then drive people back to another part of the system, which is the medical industry and the pharma mm-hmm. industry, who then prescribe them uh, pills, which makes them dependent. And then it drives them back. So this is a, it's, it's actually kind of brilliant. It is, it is brilliant. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's like a, a self-sustaining cycle. And just because I'm not Canadian and um, I don't want to speak too broadly, I'm just going to assume that what I'm saying is somewhat graftable. It's, onto the, is it the same? It's hundred percent the same. Okay. And like, I, even when I go to Europe, it feels like some places there, like at least England, I felt as very similar too. Um, yeah. It's part of the sickness of American culture that it seems to be like we export like that aspect, which is kind of depressing, but yeah, I guess it's the same in Canada then. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's very sad, but uh no, I I feel like exactly what you're saying. Um, so let's like kind of talk about yourself then. Like, where did you, like, where did you get like? Because I guess you've been dealing with like a lot of these issues we're talking about your whole life, and it's kind of through your transformation that you kind of came back to wanting to like fight against this, eh? Oh yeah, that's it, a hundred percent. I had to change in order to show others that it was possible. So many people wish for others to do things and are unwilling to do the same things themselves or actually have told them, but it's not that they are unwilling because they've told themselves it isn't possible. Hmm. So I bet everyone listening and, and everyone in the world has a family member that could be doing better. They're struggling with something. And that person's greatest wish is for their family member to be doing better. But how can we get that family member to be doing better when we ourselves are not working to be doing better? Well, one might say, I'm not an alcoholic. This person is a total degenerate alcoholic. I just have these small issues. You know, maybe I'm a little overweight or maybe I'm a little anxious. Okay. Well, just because this person's pain is greater than yours, it doesn't mean that in you not changing, you're allowing this person to not change. That's exactly it. One has to change in order to show other people that change is possible. And the level of change doesn't matter. I hate comparing pain. I hate it. Just because I was dealing with a lot of issues that I think a lot of people might consider less serious than other issues. They were my greatest issues. So in solving my greatest issues, I've been able to show other people that they're able to solve their greatest issues, even if their greatest issues might be different or quote unquote, worse than mine. So it starts with us. We have to change in order to get other people to change because other people aren't just going to believe. If I just go up to you and I say, hey, Noor, um, if you do these things, you're going to lose 30 pounds. If you do these things every day for, for three months, you're going to lose 30 pounds, drop your resentments against your family, uh, begin making more money and turn your life around. You'd say, John, what? Based on what? And I'll say, okay, well, <laughs> look at this that I did and it worked for me. So I have real evidence and results that this system is graftable. It's scalable. It is possible for anyone. But I had to reach a really dark place in order to even consider changing what I did. And that's what it took. It took me reaching a really dark place and finally deciding that I could feel better in order to feel better. And that's, you know, that's where my change started. Mm. And uh, like we were talking earlier, like that whole feeling or belief of I can feel better. That's you, you think there's a ton of important importance in that belief. eh? That's the, baseline, fundamental, self-limiting belief. So all of our beliefs are true. That's something else I want to 
really stress. Every belief we have is accurate in as much as it informs our actions. So if you were to believe that you are a weak individual, incapable of working out, then you are going to be that individual. And that was me. I had never worked out a day in my life. Mm. Then when you when you believe that you are a individual that may have come from a place of weakness, but is interested in getting strong and in doing so needs to learn how to work out, reach out to a coach, learn the fundamentals of fitness, nutrition, and then through that, we'll be able to get strong. Well, then, then that belief is accurate. So the belief of I cannot feel better is the foundational belief for most people. If one believes that they could feel better, then they would take action to feel better. The opposite is not possible. I want to say it again. If you believe that you can feel better, you will take action to feel better. So mm-hmm. either you either you don't believe you can feel better or you do believe you can feel better and you're just lying to the world by thinking, oh, I could feel better, but I just don't want to. And then mm-hmm. that's the epitome. That's the epitome of selfishness. And I'm willing to say this about my former self. I actually didn't think I could feel better. I was that naive. I was that blind. I was that selfish in that respect. And as soon as I believed I could feel better, I did. But it took seeing someone that was in a much, quote unquote, worse place than I and asking them for help and saying, hey, how did you change? You know, you changed. How are you, how are you able to do it? And and I was given the blueprint, the same one that I teach, the same one that I coach, the same one that I've helped other people change their lives with. And I just took to it like a fish to water. I mean, for for folks that come from a place of darkness that have struggled with, my main issues were resentments against my family. My main issues were massive anxiety, panic attacks, bouts of depression, substance use, just running and hiding and fleeing and blaming. And for folks that come from a place of that, it's so attractive to just be stuck in that loop. It's almost comforting in a way. A lot of people, from what I can tell, prefer the pain of what they know to the potential discomfort of what they don't. And that's Mm -hmm. sickening to me. That is sickening. You wake up in the same state every day and you're just used to it. It's like a blanket. It's like a painful blanket. Some people are just, they seem addicted to this pain. And what they're really addicted to is inaction and comfort, this comfortable, painful, low-level existence. And once you swap that for positive habits and positive daily action, you just skyrocket and the, the growth the growth hits and you just never look back. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I know exactly what you're saying is like, we feel comfort in that, like, uh, in that blanket of inaction and like uh, pain that we kind of created for ourselves. Um, like, I I felt that before myself, like, especially when I used to, <clears throat> excuse me, when I used to drink a lot, like, that was kind of my thing too. like at uh, nights, if I just like, didn't want to do anything, like, it would just start like, and I just like was too afraid to do something like positive for myself and like that I want to do that I know deep inside that I needed to do and I would like end up drinking a lot and uh that would numb myself and then that led to me overeating because like every time I drank I always like ended up wanting to eat some crappy food and uh, and then like I wake up in the morning and I'm sick and then I'm sick for like half the day and that kind of gave me an excuse for that inaction because it was like an excuse of like, oh, like I'm getting over the sickness. So like uh, that's uh, that's my action for today kind of thing, you know. And all of those actions are considered acceptable. Who hasn't had a hangover? Who hasn't gone out to, a, a you know, for a wild night of drinking? Oh, those late night munchies. You can't beat, uh, I guess, what is um, what's the famous uh, Canadian chain i'm 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 dropping the ball right now uh, ha, ha, 
like Tim donuts. Hortons. Yeah, you can't beat a late <laughs> night Tim Hortons run and like you can just like chuckle about it with your buddies and you're watching the game and drinking more beers. It's it's sickening. It's excuse making. And then your whole weekend is shot. And then reality rolls around on Monday and you realize that all the things you wanted to do over the weekend for your health and your future are gone. And then you have another work week and you begin to resent your job. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. It repeats itself and it's awful. But what you just described is is super accurate. I live the same life. Go out late, over drink, overeat, wake up hungover. You got to eat something greasy to get over that. Saturday night rolls around. And they knew that's the real big blowout. Sunday, you're filled with regret. You can't believe you did all of that BS. Then Sunday night rolls around. You begin to get anxious about having to go back to work. And then you go back to work on Monday and you hate your job and you resent your coworkers and you think about sleeping with them, even though they're married. It's just the whole thing is just, it's just shame. It's just, a, it's just a cycle of shame that you have to break, that one has to break out of if they want anything else in their life. If they want anything else for their life, you have to break out the cycle of shame. Okay. And then so, and you're like coaching and stuff. Where where do you usually get let people like or where's like a good breakout point? Like, how do you break out of this cycle? Daily habits. So okay. we implement three daily habits from the jump. A lot of people make things so complicated and I absolutely will not. I actually I posted something today. If you do the work of the coaching program, you will get the results, period. And here's the work. We implement a static wake up time. It doesn't have to be as early as I wake up. I get up at four every day. But it has to be early enough for you to get everything done. And it isn't just a wake-up time. This is showing gratitude. When we wake up early, we are showing gratitude to the earth, to our creator, that we are up to see our day through. We're not mm. going to make excuses. We're not taking sleep. We're not enjoying the comfort of our bed. We are rising to be present, to be fully present, literally awake. We have woken ourselves up. We are blessed with this new day that we are going to grasp fully by waking up early. And we'll have enough time to do everything we need to, which always includes a workout. To work out the first thing in the day after we do our, our morning routine is such a positive affirmation of self. For a lot of people, working out is the hardest thing to do. So if we get the hardest thing to do early done earlier in the day, uh, it's like swallowing the frog, let's say. Once you get this quote unquote difficult thing, which for me, now that I understand what working out does it means the world then the rest of the day is downhill how can your coworkers come at you crazy when you just blasted legs for an hour and a half and you feel amazing you know you're giving yourself strength and the third part is intentional nutrition food ways i set up a structured meal plan based on age weight body type fitness goals based on Holistic nutrition. This is the most well thought through plan around. Macronutrients are carbohydrates, proteins, and fat. I structure your diet so you adhere to these macros and you drop a few pounds a week sustainably until you reach your fitness goals. It's that simple. My smaller clients, they'll eat between three and four meals a day. My larger clients, they might eat between five and six meals a day. And the reason we have these structured meals is it teaches discipline. When you have to eat correctly multiple times a day, it teaches discipline. This is a plan of discipline. When you're disciplined in your food, you're disciplined everywhere else. When you're disciplined in your wake-up time, you're disciplined everywhere else. When you're disciplined in your workout, you're disciplined everywhere else. We just reshape who you are through your habits. And it's really fucking simple. You get mm -hmm. up early, you work out every day, and you eat right. There's no one, one out of every 100,000 people that, that you know or that are on this earth, do those three things in the dominant global culture. 
So just by doing those three things, you will become so extraordinary. You will become so rare. How many guys do you know with a six pack? No, no, not many. (laughs) And how many millionaires do you know of? Many, right? It is so much more common to be a millionaire than have a six pack. But that millionaire does not have good habits. Why are there so many rich people in and out of rehab? Why are there so many celebrities killing themselves? Why are all those people just totally fucked up in the head, even though they have millions of fans? Because they don't have good habits, because their value comes from external validation. When we validate ourselves internally with our habits, with the fact that we don't sleep in, that we don't overeat, that we aren't at the club, we become so powerful and abundant that nothing can touch us, that nothing can bring us down. It's it, it, This program is the key to it, manifesting the life that you need, which is a life of inner peace. Let everything else come, and it will. I'm in a material place of much higher value. I'm not ashamed of this. Starting out, I still had all these weird thoughts on money, and I shouldn't talk about how much better I'm doing. But just to be frank, the material results are undeniable. I own this apartment. Mm-hmm. I was renting a piece of shit fifth floor walk-up, which burned, by the way. Maybe we, we can talk about that or if you'll have me on again. But I lost my house in apartment fire, like partway into my transformation. That was the biggest test the universe has ever given me. And just everything, everything, you transform yourself, yourself, your physical presentation, and the universe will transform your life. You will have transformed your life. Your material circumstances will be better. The love in your life, the love for your life, everything in your life will be better through these three simple habits. But it takes a coach because without external accountability, you won't do it. People won't do it. Folks Mm -hmm. are not going to do it because they don't know how to. Now I'm abundant enough to do it not only for myself, but to help others. But starting out, I absolutely needed a coach. I need someone, needed someone to teach me macros. I needed someone to show me how to work out. And I needed someone that I knew was doing 10 times more than me for me to understand that I could do one tenth of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. No, it's, uh, yeah, I can completely understand how that works. So like when you change these three things yourself was that all it took like and eventually like all your addictions started falling away is that what happened it brought me to tears so for the first several months i would during and after my workout i'd be crying and i i realized that i was shedding a lot of karmic debt what these three things do is it eliminates all the negative present acts and it allows all the negative past acts to come into your being to be processed so i had issues with fidelity in my relationships it was a massive pile of sin was my lack of fidelity my cheating I had issues with food, obviously. I was carrying 40 extra pounds. It was a massive amount of karmic debt in overeating. I had a lot of issues in with denial and resentment. So this is karmic debt because you can't resent people and be okay with yourself. And so by engaging these three activities every day, it screens out generating more present karmic debt. So you're not accruing any new negativity in your life. And that allows the past negativity to come to the fore. And in purging that past negativity, your slate is wiped clean. You are now present for your life, and you're able to gain a lot of other stuff, internal assets and external assets. This is what it does. You can't forgive yourself when you are still doing unforgivable acts. You can't forgive others when you are still doing unforgivable acts. We have to stop the accrual, pay down the debt, and then you will have a surplus. That's how it works. You can't be going out to the club and fucking your life up if you're going to be up at 5.30 the next day. You can't Mm -hmm. be eating cheeseburgers if your macros say that you need to eat lean protein, vegetables, and fruit. You can't be binging, drinking when your coach says every beer has 250 calories. What are you doing? 
when your coach gives you a number of recipes to break down, you can't tell yourself the lie that you don't know how to cook when it's been laid out very clearly for you. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these things take away the excuses. The excuse of I need to do this is replaced with I don't need to do this. I actually have to do that. I need to do that. I don't need to go to this birthday party with tons of alcohol because I know that I'm not strong enough to be around booze yet. And when I am strong enough to be around booze, I know that I'm not going to just drink with the boys. I'm going to tell them, fuck you. Why do you want me to lose? I told so many people, I told so many people that starting out when they would try to bring me into that bullshit. I'd be like, dude, you look like shit. Why do you want me to lose? Why do you Mm -hmm. want me to look like you? Why do you want me to act like you? I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about breaking addictions, when we become, quote unquote, addicted to positive stuff, everything else falls away. It all falls away. When you say like the pain, the karmic, the karmic debt, like, is that a painful experience? Hmm. It's the pain of acceptance. One of the one of my big unlocks has been there's a lot of different types of pain. And the worst pain that I've experienced is the pain of regret. Okay. Then as we scale up, there's the pain of acceptance and the pain of awareness. And the pain of awareness, being truly aware about what one has done to themselves and others, is a painful act. But it's also an honest act. Hmm. Being being in pain and regret is pain based on dishonesty and dishonest acts and regretful acts. Pain of awareness and acceptance is based on coming to terms with what you've done in order to not do it in the future. So there's definitely some pain attached to that. I mean, you have to shed Years for me, I was, I drank for 20 years. I had to process 20 years of poor decision-making. You know, I had to Mm -hmm. process multiple relationships where I was not present. I had to process decades of resentments against my family. I had to process a lot of stuff. So yeah, there is some pain there, but the pain of a hangover, the pain of being extraordinarily overweight, the pain of overusing of substances, that's a very different pain than the pain of, wow, I really need to work through what I did in my past. Mm -hmm. And after one has done that, I'm on such good terms with my ex. We, She hits me up regularly. I hit her up regularly. I was at her wedding. Like, this is the level that you all can get to. When you're engaged with someone, they come out, and then their wife invites you to their wedding, and you go, and it's way chill. And then after you and your ex-fiance are sending each other IG messages regularly and it's totally chill and there's zero animosity and you wish her and her wife to have the most blessed life. And I really do. I want them to be happy more than I want to be happy. Mm. That's that's what this shit is. That's what this is. You go from resenting the fuck out of her because you were such a low level piece of shit before that you didn't earn any money and she earned a ton of money and she was paying your rent. And then when you two broke up for obvious reasons, you had to you had to rent this walk up on the fifth floor. Like, it's just about gratitude. I was so ungrateful in my relationship with her and I was incredibly ungrateful directly following. And then now that I'm in an unbelievably grateful state, what do you know? The universe has given me gratitude and shown me a lot of positive and positivity and a lot of all this stuff, this material stuff, which doesn't mean a fucking thing, mm-hmm. by the way. The real value is the relationship I have with my ex and with everyone else that I used to be a piece of shit around and am now abundant towards because I understand that whatever negativity I had towards them is simply a manifest external manifestation of negativity I had towards myself. One cannot be pissed at anyone else if they are not pissed at themselves. The world is not as it is. It is as we are. So whatever negativity I was harboring against her was just based on negativity I was harboring against myself. Yeah, that's well said. Um, 
Yeah, man. How about like I want to know like just because I've always dealt with uh like I think like it's been better in the last year or so, but I've had like a lot of issues with like anxiety and like panic attacks myself. Like, did those just kind of go away when you did this? And then like also, where do you think those were like those things were coming from? Anxiety is a notification from the universe that you have to take action immediately. Anxiety is the creation of negative future scenario. So how do we make sure that ne that negative future scenario does not come to fruition? By changing the present scenario. Mm. So in exercising every day, we know that we are making ourselves stronger. So the anxiety we feel about the way we look, which is a massive part of my anxiety. I'd be anxious in public because I didn't know how people were looking at me. If I ever went to the beach, I was anxious because like I wasn't in shape. That's the, the biggest thing. Panic attacks as well. They're going to disappear because when you feel one coming on, you hit the fucking floor and bang out push-ups. I posted, I was at the, the doctor. I unfortunately had to go to the doctor and I felt something coming on. And I literally got down in the clinician's room and started doing push-ups. And what does it matter? When you are an awkward, weird, insecure fuck, you're probably going to feel weird about doing that. But when you know what's going to stop a panic attack from coming on, Mm -hmm. you'll do it there's no marathon runner there's no person working out when you're really deep do you work out yeah yeah so when you're really deep in that set is it possible to have a panic attack i guess not i never thought of that <laughs> it's not fucking possible it's not possible the group society would tell you to take a xanax the society would tell you to take a lexapro whatever is the anti-anxiety one no an aligned individual would say that when you are living a congruent life, all of these negative feelings are impossible. I do not have that anymore. And when it crops up, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do. And as we walk the path, we become stronger and we invite greater and greater tests. When my home burned, I did not break program. And you, mm. can, you can check it out. I recorded it. I had about an hour and a half of darkness where I was very upset. And following that, I realized, well, I have two choices. I can quit and go back to being the individual I was, a quitter, or I can choose to accept this as a test, pass it, and gain massive strength. And that was a defining point in my life. The next morning, I didn't get up at 4. I got up at 2.45. The next morning, I didn't skip my workout. I did my workout. And then I had to go to my place. This is in the middle of the summer in New York City, five floors up the stairs. There was no power. It was dark and I had to haul out the fire department busted the whole place up. It was soaked through and I had to move my stuff out because the insurance company was coming later that day to cordon it off. This is the most adverse circumstances possible. And what did I do? I didn't break program. I didn't go back to that bullshit. I didn't touch alcohol. I didn't overeat. I didn't go negative. I didn't have a panic attack. I knew the only thing that was going to get me through was action. And so I packed my shit up from the fifth floor and hauled ass to my parents' house. And that, that made me. That made me more than any other aspect of the program. The fire was the greatest gift I could have received. There was no panic attacks involved, nothing, because you train your mind. Once you or anyone listening adheres to this program for long enough, you have a strong mindset. The mindset is the filter through which all external stimuli are presented. Everything, everything in your life that you see, hear, and do is filtered through your mindset. So if you have a strong mindset, and the universe gifts you an apartment fire, you're going to become stronger. If you have a weak mindset and the universe gifts you an apartment fire, you are going to go to shreds. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. I, I firmly believe that that apartment fire allowed me to buy this apartment. I know, I know for a fact. I know for a fact because the economic 
opportunities that came to me directly following the the improvement in my coaching program, the improvement in my independent project management, and a lot of the other corporate stuff that I do. Because I my I I work every day on on so many different things. All of these things came to me only after I got through that and did not show the universe in gratitude. I never cursed my fate. I never cursed the universe. I never cursed my existence. I embraced it as another test. That's amazing, man. Uh, yeah, I, I could see what you're saying. Like, uh, if you can use that as like uh, that obstacle as like the way to freaking kind of go, like, you know, it's like the direction. I know that's like a stoic phrase. It's like the obstacle is the way kind of thing. But uh, I, I love that, man. Uh, that's a tough thing to go through. But you kind of like, switched it on itself and said like hey this is more of something that could help me this is more of an opportunity yeah and the stoics had a lot of wisdom 100 percent. they under that, that the stoic philosophy is is very important and the opposition is the way the panic attack is the way the panic attack shows us that we are doing something that is not eliminating the panic attack the fire shows us that we are doing something that needs to allow us to transcend that so if you have the panic attack and you understand what will get you past that panic attack, which is physical exercise and just not giving into it, and you just do the physical exercise every time you feel you have a panic attack or anxiety, then that's the gift. Because the panic attack has, quote unquote, forced you into this physical exercise, and now you look a lot better. So mm -hmm. the panic attack is actually the good thing. The suicidal mm -hmm. ideation that I had that made me think about killing myself on my way to work was also a gift. Because on the other side of that, it made me love my life. It made me launch a massive food rescue project after I became strong enough that was feeding 7,000 families a week. Without my suicidal ideation, anxiety, depression, low feelings of self-worth, lack of self-confidence, awful self-talk, awful negative feelings, I couldn't create this other individual that is the opposite, that was massively abundant, that was present for his family, that is present, that will be present for his future wife and children. You know, this is all of these things that we think are cursings, curses are our biggest gifts, but it takes mindset training or else it's just going to be the why me victim mentality that is just so rampant that that ran my life forever. Mm hmm. Um, like, I know you like uh, I saw on like your YouTube channel, like you're when it comes to like spirituality, it's something that you've been looking into like your whole life kind of thing. Um, how do you think like our like a lot of like the pop spirituality that's out there these days? Like, how do you think that kind of like, does it help? Or do you think it can kind of make a lot of these issues worse? So spirituality is a very interesting issue. I think the main danger of spirituality is it mixes the sacred and the profane. A lot of spiritualists and spiritual people or people that claim to be are in it for the wrong reasons. They are looking to prey upon people for their own gain. They want people to follow in their footsteps and follow their teachings and follow their path. I feel that spirituality is super important. I definitely feel a spiritual connection to everyone and to everything. But I think this important spiritual connection is what you are doing, what your path is, where you find your answers. A lot of gurus, leaders, teachers, they want followers, they want adherents, they want disciples, they want acolytes, you know, they want protégés. I don't want that. I want you to lead yourself. I want you to embrace your spirit. That's what I want. And that's the difference between the program that I teach and a lot of the spiritual programs that I hear about, which is all about following a particular leader. 
I only want to lead one person and that's myself in leading myself very well. Sure. People are going to be interested in finding out how they can lead their self themselves, but there's a lot of danger in spirituality. It, it, it is, um, it can be a vice for a lot of people. And if, if they're spiritual and just talking and they're not actually living in it, they're not acting in a conscience congruent, you know, real spiritual manner, then there's danger there too. It's dishonest life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of uh, spirituality too. It's like, we got to act in a congruent conscious manner. Like how you kept saying that, like, I think that's a good thing to like, really know, because like, even I, like, I've been like, into spirituality since I've been was 20. So it's been like 15 years now, right? Um, Yeah, like, I think like, from like the first like five to like seven years, I definitely wasn't, it was more of just something I really liked. And like, I was interested in, but I never practiced it at all, like, to the point where it was like congruent or conscious with my life actions because yeah, I was doing all the shitty things that like were completely not spiritual at all. But in my head, I just never even thought about it or cared, but it's like learning to live congruently with your beliefs, which is, uh, which is very powerful and it makes you more conscious in this world. But it's, I think that's where the hard part comes in. Oh, absolutely. This is quite easy to speak. You know, everyone is able to to speak at all times. And but it just takes looking, you know, you just have to see. So if this person is speaking about being fit, you know, because physical fitness is very closely linked to mental fitness. If, per, if this person is speaking about physical fitness, if this person is speaking about mental fitness, one needs to observe if they embody that. Are you embodying the teachings? Are you just speaking on it? if one is just speaking on it and they aren't embodying it, that's almost worse. I would almost favor the really out of shape, mentally ill person that is quiet than the sort of out of shape, mentally ill person, or like the sort of out of shape person that is speaking on fitness and wellness. And if I look at them and I see that that's not you, because that's really dangerous because the message you're spreading, if someone was to listen to it and ask you for your answers and you gave them to them, then they would end up like you. And that's not fair. Like that's very, very unfair. Mm-hmm. I only started coaching once I achieved the results that I wanted my clients to have. If I had been speaking about that prior, I would have gotten them awful results. I don't want anyone to be any less fit than they deserve to be. And that, that, that that's what the real issue with so many leaders and gurus and, and teachers and so-called healers and spiritualists is that they are speaking from a place of ignorance because they don't live it. If if So my main thing is I want to heal the the prototypical you, I want to heal your relationship with your family. I want, and in doing so, you know, in order to do so, you have to heal your relationship with yourself because I come from a place that there was so many family issues that I was interested in healing. It was like my greatest dream and I have been able to do so. But if I wasn't able to do so, how could I tell you to do so? Or if you are telling people how to act, you know, and you don't have those same results in your life, what are you doing? What results what are you speaking about? You don't have the results you're speaking on. So someone is going to follow in your footsteps and get your lack of results. And now you've just fucked up two people's lives, your own and this other person. Like, I don't want anyone listening or hearing. I don't want anyone hearing this to listen to me unless they want my results. You can go to my page. You can look at my results and you can say if you want those results or not. Do you want to go from a place of being obese, anxious, depressed, with panic attacks, massive anxiety, enormous resentments, overeating, problems with substances, sleeping around to a man that has not touched any of that stuff in a thousand days and will never touch any of that stuff. Again, mm-hmm. if if you want that, then I have the blueprint for you. But 
if you want uh, to learn from someone that can put together a carburetor, I can't be that guy. I can't teach you how to assemble a carburetor. I can't teach you how to um, install a PCI card on your on your computer. I can't teach you that. It would be absurd. But so many people out here are speaking an absurd message about something they haven't done. And that is so dangerous because when the person is interested in learning from them and they don't get the results, they will then write off the entire thing. Mm-hmm. They will never try to better themselves again because someone's bitch ass gave them a false blueprint. And so then the blueprint was false, but then the person is going to say, oh, well, it isn't the blueprint that was false. It's this whole thing. I can't get ripped. I'm always going to be fat. I'm always going to hate the way I look in the mirror. I'm always going to have anxiety and panic attacks. And that's terrible. I will never do that. Yeah. No. And like I said, like, I was thinking like when you're saying like all these pains that you've had, like to deal with like all these traumas of your past, like, do you think it's like you becoming more congruent with your life which kind of makes you more conscious so you're more aware more present was this the ability that you had to be able to actually now like actually look at your past clearly and be able to handle it and deal with it or is there a lot more to like dealing with the past trauma that's it it's it comes down to being honest when we're honest it with our thoughts when we're honest with our energy when we're honest with our actions we can then be honest with our past we can be consciously consciously congruent with everything when we're acting in alignment with the future we desire we can then look in alignment honestly with the past with what we've been through with all of our quote-unquote suffering which which correctly promised will become our greatest gift once you heal yourself once you come to terms with your past you can then heal others like that's the wildest thing to me that we have the ability through what we thought was the worst possible thing to then help others through what is the worst possible thing I cannot wait. I'm waiting for a client to hit me up saying that their house burned, not because I want them to have a house fire. That's absurd. But because I actually have the lived experience through conscience congruency to help that person through that. So whatever one is experiencing, whatever negative, quote unquote, negativity you are experiencing, take a step back and say, one day this will be so useful. And if it kills you, because I'm going to be frank here, because this is where we're all headed. If it kills you, then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, to answer your question, absolutely. Once once you begin acting in accordance with your conscience, then your conscience is going to guide you back towards whatever bothered you. And then you can act through that. It's it's beautiful. It's like, think of a dam. You know, there's a body of water that's been dammed. This is what's blocking your progress. And as you add to that dam with current negative habits and overeating and not working out or sleeping in or whatever it is and sleeping around that dam grows higher and higher and higher so more and more water is being trapped behind it as you stop doing that ultimately the dam degrades 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 and ultimately the dam breaks and all the stuff from your past it rushes forward you're able to see it as it is not as you are obsessing about it and then it passes through and then the water flows naturally and just every day you have a set amount of things that you need to do in doing those things you become the best version of yourself every day it's it's just a path of progression and this is just an old way of being we used to do this you and i mid-30s we'd have to go hunt or go to war or garden or fish or craft like we had to do things in contemporary system we don't do shit We could literally sit on our asses all day and get money. Like, this is crazy. This is where panic attacks and anxiety come from. Lack Mm -hmm. of of action. 
So my, my program and this system and just being a man, being a provider is just a return to the way that we evolved to be. There's been a massive disconnect in the way our species has evolved. You know, we evolved over eons and eons and eons. And we're at this point where you just randomly are now have access to sugar in every food and are expected to sit in our asses and then go to the club. Like that's why people are fucked up. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, when it comes to food now, like now that you've like, have these habits uh do you miss like old like the old shit you used to eat because like especially now there's so much like you know you'll see the any kind of fast food or any of that like crappy food you'll see the um you'll you know you'll see it everywhere and you'll see the advertisements everywhere and stuff like that um do you miss like that old food and like do like this new like way that you eat is it like um what do you think when it comes to like the more sensual taste of like everything? How does that feel? I've just distanced myself from any base urges of what I want. And I've attached myself to what I need, which is to feel good. When I see garbage food or I see other people gorging or I, when I see reminders of the manner in which I used to act, I'm reminded of the manner in which I used to feel. Mm. And that is what ends it. John, do you want to feel the way you used to? Absolutely not. Okay, great. Well, then that solves that issue. Don't eat the burger. John, do you want to look the way you used to look? No. Okay. Well, then that solves that issue. Don't eat the cheesecake. And check this out. I actually posted about this yesterday because I went out to eat. I got, I love Chinese food. And I got some Mapu tofu and brown rice because I've been programming for over two years. I understand that at a certain level of fitness, you can actually fit something into your macros that works. Mapo tofu is mainly protein, a little bit of fat. Brown rice are healthy, whole carbohydrates. It it worked. And what do you know? I woke up today and had my normal, everything is normal. You know, I'm not plagued with all these awkward feelings about eating what I should or should not. But it's about, it, it, it just comes down to what results do you want? What do you want in your future? Do you want a future of good health? Okay, well, if you want a future of good health, you have to take present actions of not eating garbage. If you want a future of ill health, you can take whatever present actions you want. You can live in the moment, as they say, which is the worst way. Living in the moment, they actually, it's actually dying in the moment. You can die in the moment by eating what you want in the garbage food. I don't miss any of that because I don't miss the old me. The man that misses that is missing the point. And the man who's, and the point is, we do what we need to to be strong for others, not what we want to, to be weak for ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, right. Man. All right. That's uh, really cool to hear, man. I love that. Um, all right, buddy. I got uh, one more question for you. It's the name of the podcast. So uh, John Katz, God, yay or nay? God, yay. One of the many, many, many things I was running from when I was living dark was God. And e even using the phrase God, there's some complications there. I, I just want to make it clear. It can be the universe, creation, you know, I come from a monotheistic faith that would call it God, what, whatever it is, the spiritual force, the ethereal force, the energy field that connects us all as humans exists. And I actually like to refer to it as the eye you don't see that sees you, because I believe that there is a perceptive force that is known not through its presence, but through its absence. The fact that it isn't visible means that it is there because we can sense it. We can sense that we are being observed. If we're honest, we can sense that we're being watched and we can sense that what we do matters. And it's this force, call it God, that 
is the force of creation. That that is the force that when we bring ourselves to a place of positivity, we're walking in alignment with that force. God, yay. Hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, all right, John, man. Uh, this was amazing. Uh, let my audience know um, anything you want to like tell them about, promote, where they can get a hold of you. Uh, please let them know now. Best way to find me is on my IG page at NYC Foodways. And I also have a YouTube channel for some longer form content. If you're interested in deeper dives on metaphysics, I have some cultural stuff and you can see my evolution about what I focused on when I was starting out to, you know, how this, it's just a path of progression and you can see me progress. And I, I really hope that all of you are interested in progressing with your life because we're only here for a brief amount of time and your people need you to be strong. Hell yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Much love from New York City. Thank you for having me. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram. Or check out my website, newerkidy.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, podcast network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.